1: Welcome to the FDH Lounge.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. This is FDH Lounge Original Dignitary Rick Morris here with my good pal, fellow Original Dignitary Chris Galloway. And uh, this is a bonus segment in terms of the way that we normally do our NFL previews every year. Normally, we've gone division by division, just kind of looking through and uh, do it, making our final picks in the NFC West uh, segment, the last of the eight that we do. But per Chris's uh, suggestion here, Uh, We're going to break this one off. We're going to do it separately in this segment. And uh, we we have, each of us, uh, our playoff brackets that we have uh, for for how we see it all playing out. Of course, uh, anybody can, at the present time, see what mine are. Mine are in Fantasy Football Draftology 2021, available on the main page at FantasyDraftHelp.com and the lounge.com. So everything I'm giving you is right out of there. Uh, so let's start out with uh, what the seeds as I see them in the AFC. I have the Browns uh, making it as uh, the team with home field advantage in the AFC and getting home field as the AFC North champions. Uh, the other divisional uh, champions from there, I have Kansas City as the two, Buffalo as the three, and Tennessee as the four. But uh, I do see things getting a little bit topsy-turvy Uh, In the first round here in the AFC, Uh, I have number two, Kansas City, over number seven, Miami. That one plays out as uh, chalk. I have my Dolphins making the playoffs this year, but running into the buzzsaw of Kansas City and getting no further. I have number five, Baltimore, going to number four, Tennessee, and winning. So I see Baltimore actually uh, getting out of the wild card round here for a change. And the number six LA Chargers going into Buffalo, number three Buffalo. How about that? It's going to be the big upset. Chargers win on the road. That gives us a divisional round in the AFC of the number six Chargers at the number one Cleveland Browns. And uh, I I think it will be a good spirited game. But uh, from my perspective here on the North Coast, I see the good guys prevailing and hosting the AFC championship game the next week. And in the other game, I have number two, Kansas City, over number five, Baltimore. So the last game in the AFC this year is going to be the first game uh, that we see in the AFC in the prime 430 featured spot on CBS Week 1 of Kansas City-Cleveland. But this one is going to be on the aforementioned North Coast. And I have your number one seed, Cleveland Browns. Prevailing, making the Super Bowl over the number two seed Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, for as much as everyone will try to say, oh, Browns going for their first Super Bowl, me as a Browns fan, I say, you say Browns go for their first Super Bowl, I say Chris Galloway, Browns go for their ninth world championship. Oh, man. Rick Morris dropping truth. Yes. (laughs) And I also feel like the whole Kansas City, Cleveland, and then Cleveland, Kansas City to end the season. um, It feels like, you know, it feels like that line out of Star Wars, Darth Vader to Obi-Wan. The circle is complete. Yes. Once the
1: students, now I am the master.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's how I see it, buddy. That's how I see it. The Browns are, are a more complete team than Kansas City, and in the end, I think that's destiny. The Browns have the most complete starting 22 in the AFC, and I don't see it being much more complicated than that when you look at the caliber of the coaching that goes with it. But, like Obi-Wan, uh, if you Patrick Mahomes say, if you strike me down now, Baker, I'll become more powerful than even you. Can <laughs> or in the case of Baker, his next contract will become more powerful. Good times.
1: Um, I like what you did there. Uh, I, I see it a little bit differently, as we know, and, and if anyone listens to the different segments, they didn't agree on divisions, and so that's going to uh, uh, jostle a little bit, the uh-huh. seeding and who's in and who's out. Right. Um, but I think we also see the end game uh, similarly. So okay. our paths may be different, but uh, the end result is the same. So let me jump in and let me just throw at you what I've got. I've got in the number one seed, the Kansas City Chiefs. I've got the Cleveland Browns as your number two seed. Your number three seed, the Buffalo Bills. In the four spot, this is where we get different, you know, especially I know uh, I have Indianapolis sneaking out the AFC South, so they end up in the four seed. The Los Angeles Chargers, show me your lightning bolt. Coming in, it's the five seed. Brandon Staley's first year. Okay. Baltimore finishing second in the AFC North tumbles all the way into the sixth seed, but they do make the playoffs. Okay. And pulling up the rear with the gear is Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans as the seven seed, Hmm. edging out the Miami Dolphins, probably on a tie break. Tennessee gets in as the seven and that's your that's your AFC lineup KFC Cleveland Buffalo Indy Chargers Ravens Titans. Okay. So, what is that what does that mean? Well, that means that you've got a week 1 matchup uh, of Tennessee at Cleveland uh, which Cleveland will prevail in.
0: You Delicious. With Delicious. I love it already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've got Baltimore at
1: uh, Buffalo, in which Buffalo will prevail. There's a, a little bit of a, a, a redo from last year, and then Chargers at Indy. The Chargers benefit from being able to, even though they got to go on the road, they get to play in the dome. But there, that, that Joey Bosa has a field day. Uh, Carson Wentz is, uh, you know, doesn't know what's going on, and the Chargers prevail on the road. In that first round, which sets up a Buffalo coming down I-90 to see Cleveland to take on the Browns. Browns win. Chargers go on the road to play Kansas City, a team they've played twice. they played tough. They split with, and they go on the road, and they beat Kansas City. The big upset young quarterback. They get it done on the road and set up. That now they gotta re- go back on the road yet again. Brandon Staley has got to go back home to Cleveland to take on the team that he rooted for as a child, Perry Zone, coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers at Browns for the AFC Championship game in in a terrible weather with a warm weather team in a place that they've never been. Uh, in a position they haven't been with a new coach, advantage Stefanski, Browns win the AFC Championship and punch their ticket to Los Angeles' stadium two weeks later for the Super Bowl. Chargers come up short in being the next team like Tampa Bay to play in their own stadium for the, for the big
0: one. Or, or if we were going to be sardonic, we could say in the Rams Stadium that they also play in in the Super Bowl. But yes, it is truly the Rams
1: Stadium, and the Charges are just like you know renting the basement uh, flat. <laughs> um, you know, we all know that they don't belong in Los Angeles. They shouldn't freaking be there. They don't have any fans in, in Los Angeles, and uh, what that what that family has done to that proud franchise is is an abomination. And and even though they're locked in there for a good decade, hopefully as soon as that's over, they're on their way back to San
0: Diego. Yeah. Anyway, all that being said, Chargers at
1: Browns, the AFC Championship game. The Browns go in not with the home field, but they get it with the they get the big assist with the Chargers knocking off the Chiefs, and uh, that enables the Browns to host, and they finally punch the ticket to the Super Bowl and on their way to competing for our ninth championship.
0: This will be a moment uh, in the AFC championship game, then, reminiscent of my high school's most proud moment in NFL history, and that being in 2016 when the Browns avoided going 0-16 the year before they actually did because of the kick that was blocked by, yes, Valley Forge's own Jamie Meter uh, down there at the old Cleveland Stadium. Uh, Blocking the Chargers' kick to give that Browns the win on Christmas Eve. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was actually down in Atlanta, but following along with it uh, relentlessly as it happened here. Uh, Valley Forge. I
1: think I can do you better.
0: Mm -hmm. I was at that game. Wow. And I boldly predicted before that game that the Browns would win. Did you? Okay.
1: I remember that game well.
0: I thought you were going to say you successfully predicted that Valley Forge Patriot alum Jamie Meader would win that game for the Browns. That would have been a hell of a I prediction. did not think that the Pierogi Prince of Parma would <laughs> win that game with his big paw,
1: but I had them winning the game um, regardless of how it ended up. Thank you once again, Jamie, for saving us going 0-16 in two consecutive seasons.
0: I was actually in homeroom with a guy that had to be like a relative of his. I'm still trying to piece together if it was that guy's uncle or whatever the hell it was. But, uh, yeah, a guy named uh, Meter back in the day, same spelling. But, uh, yeah, it'll. I'll be thinking of that game if it's Chargers-Browns a mere five years later for the AFC Championship. Uh, and as we look at uh, the NFC landscape here, I have Tampa Bay. Uh, in the pole position here at 14-3, I have them as the number one seed. Two, three, and four from there: San Francisco, Green Bay, and Dallas, in that order. And uh, unlike the AFC wild card round, where uh, it is more competitive and where I foresee two upsets in the first weekend here, at the at least in terms of teams. Uh, home teams losing the game. I don't know that Baltimore over Tennessee, even with Baltimore being on the road, that would probably not be considered an upset, but it would be in terms of the seeding. Two, three, and four, I see chalk in the NFC in the wild card round. Number two, San Francisco over number seven, Carolina. Number three, Green Bay over number six, Arizona. And yes, I actually have Dallas making it to the next round because it's number four Dallas over the number five LA Rams, who I'm really not a believer in. You so, are crazy, Look, you can't believe in Dallas, and I'm a Dallas fan, and I'm telling you, you're I crazy. mean, but <laughs> would, would you? But they're they're at home against the Rams. You would take the Ram. I mean, again, I'm really not a believer in the Rams. So
1: I'm a Dallas fan, and I'm telling you, I don't
0: okay. believe in Dallas. Okay, okay. I mean, I, you know, I think... So those he, that think we're just
1: homers, right?
0: I'm a Browns well, yeah. fan
1: and a Cowboys fan, and I've got the Browns in the Super Bowl, so you'd think, well, he's a homer, and I'm telling you, Dallas, no.
0: <laughs> People are going to give you more points for uh, being unbiased than me because my teams are Cleveland and Miami, and I have both of them in the playoffs, so there's that. <laughs> but, I, but I have your Dallas Cowboys in the second round, and uh, another uh, relatively new friend of mine who is a Cowboys fan who will be rejoicing upon hearing that I have predicted them to make the second round. Uh, In the divisional round, I have it as, uh, again, end of the road for Dallas because uh, the game that is going to be opening night in the NFL that they've been promoting since I think this time last year, Uh, number one Tampa Bay over number four Dallas in a rematch of that week one NBC game. And number two, San Francisco over number three, Green Bay, just as it was, I think, two years ago in the NFC Championship game. That brings us to the Championship Sunday matchup. And just like in the AFC, where I see it being chalk in terms of the seeds, where I have it being number one, Cleveland over number two, Kansas City, I am taking the home team. It's number one, Tampa Bay, to get back to the Super Bowl over the second seed, San Francisco. Something you don't often see. Because of the way the teams tend to fall off after the year they've gone to the Super Bowl. Now, a lot of times the difference is whether you win the Super Bowl or not. What happened to San Francisco last year happens a lot of times. The quote-unquote Super Bowl hangover, for me it was more so just injuries, but they call it the Super Bowl hangover. You rarely, if ever, see a matchup of the last two conference champions on Championship Sunday. I think it happens this year in the NFC because, again, I think it's a very hollowed-out conference. I think these are clearly the two best teams, and I take Tampa Bay to repeat to get back. They're going to face Cleveland, and we'll get to that after we hear your NFC bracket, Chris. Oh, exciting. Well, mm-hmm. um, I have the Aaron Rodgers
1: revenge tour uh pushing them into the number one seed. Wow. Uh, So Green Bay ends up with the one seed. Um, Even though I, like you, don't believe in their roster top to bottom, but I do believe in Aaron Rodgers um, as a quarterback. Maybe not as a human being, but as a quarterback. (laughs) Um, Critical distinction. So I've got Green Bay in the one seed. I have Tampa Bay feasting on the South and ending up in the two seed. my NFC West champ, San Francisco 49ers, pull in on the third seed. NFC East, I have the W-what-the-F at uh, WFT.
0: I can never read that in an article. <laughs> Every time I see WFT, I always read it as what the fuck. Um, Whiskey I have the, Tango Foxtrot. I have the what the fucks in the fourth seed. <laughs> um, just based
1: on the fact that they're going to win their division. Right. Then we get into the, you know, can you really buy into them? Not really. Five seed, I have the Rams squeaking in over Dallas, who ends up as the sixth seed. And then beating, eking it out, Seattle in the seventh seed. Okay. Um, Because, again, as I'm always screaming, this is a quarterback league, and I'm hard pressed to leave Russell Wilson out, especially. You know, with, you know, over, say, Minnesota or one of these other teams that are going to come close. So I'll go with Seattle to be the third NFC West team to sneak in as the 7th seed. What does that do for us? Well, in the opening <laughs> round, uh, we end up with Seattle at Tampa Bay. And I have Tampa Bay uh, triumphing at home um, right out of the gate. Uh, we end up with Dallas at San Francisco. Bye bye, Cowboys. San Francisco, that, that roster, um, far better. San Francisco wins uh, in a rebat, in a battle of those old 1990 classics between the 49ers and the Cowboys. This one's not so much so. 49ers win. And then we end up with Rams at Washington. That's a tough one. But I feel like this is the point in the season when the Fitz magic. Wheels just come tumbling off, and Washington, the what the fucks crater. Rams win on the road in a tough one, um, thanks to guys like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey.
0: Rams uh, in the second they, round, they go wow. on the
1: road, and Rams punch their ticket into the into the divisional round. Wow! So where does that put us? Um, that's going to put us with uh, Rams at. Uh, Green Bay, and Green Bay will triumph at home in the divisional round. Uh, That's going to put us with Tampa Bay um, at San Francisco. Uh, Is that right? Is that what I have? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. San Francisco at Tampa Bay. Yes. So San Francisco at Tampa Bay, and I have San Francisco on the road, upset, getting it done. Whoa. Whoa. Beating Tom in Tampa. Ending his season. So I have San Francisco at Green Bay in the NFC championship game. And Aaron Rodgers on the cusp of being able to go back to uh, uh, another Super Bowl as he's getting ready to just leave Green Bay forever. But, oh no, San Francisco's talent top to bottom on that roster does it again. San Francisco goes on the road, wins the NFC championship game. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers have another heartbreak loss in the NFC championship game. And uh, he packs his bags for Denver. And San Francisco packs their bags
0: for L.A. to take on your Cleveland Browns. And probably what should
1: have been the matchup in the
0: 1988 Super Bowl. I agree, I agree, yes, there were a couple times there, uh, we never got it, uh, my boy, uh, Bernie Kosar, uh, never got a chance to bloody the nose of uh, Joe Montana on the big stage, but... Uh, so, I, so I have, uh, you know, the storylines are fantastic,
1: Browns and 49ers in the Super Bowl, and um, You're talking about Cleveland making their first Super Bowl. You're talking Shanahan, who was on
0: the Cleveland staff and literally begged his way out of town (laughs) because he couldn't handle the dumpster fire that was the Cleveland
1: organization at the time. You have Mostert, who was a guy that the Browns had in camp. They had him on the roster, and they cut him. And they got rid
0: of him. Um, you've got Bosa, who played at Ohio State, now playing Cleveland guess. Baker. Um, so
1: you got you got a, so you got an Ohio tie
0: in there. Yeah,
1: you've got you've got Stefanski, who's a student uh, uh, of a protege of Kubiak, who learned at the right hand of Shanahan's father. So you have. All these great storylines between these two franchises. Hey, you've even got the old uh, uh, what's his face? What am I thinking of? Who was our uh, nineteen ninety nine? Who was a uh, uh, carbon policy?
0: Yeah, you got the carbon. You got the current <laughs> policy. Bowl,
1: <all> right?
0: <laughs> Don't and remind that's me. What
1: you get? And they'll be talking about that. Um, you know, we're, it's there's a lot of storylines here. And uh, I, I, I think that that's, uh, it's going to lead to you know a, a pretty exciting build-up uh, to, to what will be an exciting Super Bowl.
0: And it will be one where, uh, you know, in terms of coming down to it, uh, unlike the matchup that I have here with uh, Cleveland and Tampa Bay, of where everyone is going to look at this, and, you know, again, Brady is going to get the edge most of the time. I mean, he didn't over Patrick Mahomes last year as far as, the perception coming in, but it's very rare, especially on the big stage, for Brady not to be the guy having the edge uh, in terms of media perception anyways. And that's how the media will have it slotted as the Baker Mayfield is the underdog, as they a lot of times slot Baker Mayfield as the underdog. That, however, would not be the case from a media standpoint in your Super Bowl of Browns 49ers where it's Jimmy G on the other side. The media perception would be that the Browns, particularly having made it to the Super Bowl, would have the edge at quarterback.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. uh, Your scenario, the pick would be Tom Brady, and ours, people would probably pick Baker Mayfield, just based on statistics. If the Browns are in the Super Bowl, it means
0: Baker Mayfield had a great year. Yes. And what we've seen out of San Francisco is
1: Jimmy G can have a middling year and get that team to a Super Bowl. So we don't know that he'll have the stats that Baker would have in that matchup. Um, You know, and listen, in your scenario, you know, if I'm if I'm if I'm wagering how are you betting against Tom Brady? Right? How are you gonna do that? Yeah. Um uh in that in that Tampa Bay roster against the Browns the first time on stage, uh, you know, Baker with no rings and Tom with a thousand rings, I mean it's it would be hard to bet against Tom Brady in your scenario. Sure. I think in Cleveland and the Cleveland San Francisco matchup. I think the point spread in that game will be really interesting. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's one and a half, two points. Um, it's, I think it's razor tight.
0: That's true, and I will say, I think the Browns would be, and not just because of the outcome that I'm looking at, I think the Browns would be an incredible betting value in a game against Tampa Bay because this is one of these things, again, particularly in a Super Bowl, right? It's Joe Public. And Joe Public is going to bet Tom Brady and the in the Tampa Bay Bucks like there's no tomorrow. So you're going to get a little bit extra betting value on the Browns uh, just because of that going in, whether it be on the money line or whether it be in terms of an inflated point spread. But uh, I, again, I, I couldn't. Well, we both know that
1: Juju uh,
0: smith houston would be like Browns is pronounced. Yeah, exactly. Buccaneers by twenty. Right, and as <laughs> as. Well, and it, you know, and the weird thing is, is that, and, and what could lead to that is that uh, so few times uh, in history do you see, particularly in big games, of where the line ends somewhere in what they call no man's land—four and a half, five points, five and a half—to where you, you could you could see it jumping to six points. You could see the Browns easily getting six. I have an easier time seeing the Browns get six than I have them getting three and a half because of public perception, and it's going to steam up Tampa Bay and I think in the end, I think that's complete folly because what I'm picking are the two best starting 22s in the league to make the Super Bowl, teams that also have pretty good depth in various positions here. As we pointed out when we were talking about them, and we were a little more detailed on the Browns because we have a little more knowledge on the Browns even than the other 31 teams in the league because, hello, we're based here. Wherever anybody is based, that's where they're going to have the most you know, knowledge in terms of what they're seeing and hearing. So we went into a little bit more detail on that with the Browns just because of our observations of everything. Depth to go beyond the 22 for both teams here. In the end, I'm going to say it's the Browns by a narrow margin. The Browns get it done with the Super Bowl. Everyone, as I said, will be like, oh, Browns win the first Super Bowl. Meanwhile, as they're racking up their ninth world championship, Chris Galloway.
1: Uh I see a very competitive football uh, game between two teams that run almost identical systems. They're staring at mirrors of each other. Mm-hmm. Say, Cleveland basically and San Francisco, you know, they're that they're that team of Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man.
0: Chris, what about Joe Woods? Uh, we didn't even talk about that. Joe Woods being a common denominator.
1: Yeah, I mean that's yeah, I left that one out. I yep. mean it's it's Joe Woods, you know, Playing his
0: old team, right? Um, th- there's a lot a of lot, there's a lot a
1: lot in my scenario, a lot of storylines in my scenario, right? Um, and and again, I think it's that meme of of Spider Man pointing at Spider Man. Uh, these two teams run similar
0: systems on D and O, um, and they're staring at each other.
1: So there's not going to be an advantage of you know somebody you know they're going to know what they want to do and what they do. So there's, you know, it's almost like playing you know, practicing against a team that runs the same systems. You're not surprised by what you see. And I think that leads to a very competitive, uh, a very competitive game. And um, and I think ultimately why the point spread would end up being very, very tight. Um, uh, earmuffs, Browns fans, I have heartbreak. Um, I have heartbreak because of, uh, my biggest fear and concern, and Rick, i about this off the air, is the kicking game and the field goal kicker letting us down. Whether it's Parkey or whoever they end up settling on, um, I could see a situation in the Super Bowl of a missed field goal, and the you know not necessarily at the end of the game, but being the being the thing that keeps the Browns from from winning. Uh, winning the Super Bowl in L.A. next year. So I have San Francisco triumphing by just an absolute
0: hair over the Browns in the Super Bowl. You do. Now, this is interesting because off-air, I had gotten a sense from you that you had the Browns over San Francisco. Was I wrong, or have you reconsidered?
1: Uh, No, you weren't wrong. I believe that this is the Browns year to get it done, right? Like so, I mean, listen, you can have two distinct thoughts in your head. Okay. As an analyst, as a fan. Right? right? And, and and I absolutely believe the Browns are going to the Super Bowl this year. And I really, as a fan, believe that they're gonna win it. I want to believe they're gonna win it. I think they can win. Now, as I sat here today preparing for this show, I come down and I go. I think about San Francisco's experience from two years ago, how close they came Mm -hmm. and how close Shanahan came in Atlanta until Tom Brady did what he did. Um, I just think everything being equal when I sort of, in the other half of my brain, when I put it together, again, mirror images of each other, very close game, uh, equally matched rosters, I think very closely matched rosters in terms of depth and talent. I give a slight edge to Shanahan having been there twice um, and winning it. Does that mean Cleveland can't win the game? Hell no, they can win the game. Of course they do. And as a fan, I mean, you know, I want to believe. Um, being a cold, hard analyst now tonight, sitting here with you, uh, on, you know, on this podcast, I'm going to tell you, uh, I think it's heartbreak um, for for Browns fans. But nothing to cry over, right? Sure. It's it's not something to cry over to come up just short in the Super Bowl. By God, you finally got there. You finally proved that you belong. You finally showed that you're a winning franchise again. Right. Um, you've got something to build on. That doesn't mean that this is suddenly you know Dan Marino never getting back to the Super Bowl. Right. Um, I I think that the Browns window is actually open for the next five or six years easily. Right. Um, so I, I'm not losing sleep over that. And I'll be heartbroken as a Browns fan if they lose the Super Bowl. But at the same time, what a great ride the season will have been. Yeah. We got there finally, that we're no longer the laughing stock. Now, going into the next year, who are people going to say is, is they're going to bet and wager to, to probably go back? Right. Well, people will say, well, the Browns are probably going to be one of them. Top two seeds in in the conference, and they probably will be. Sure. So I, I just think that it's you know it's not something to despair about. Um, but I just I right now that's just how I see it playing out
0: as the most likely scenario. Well, let me you know, just give you same a... thing.
1: If you played the game, and I and I tell you this. And let me just say this. Yeah. I think you play that Super Bowl ten times. I think San Francisco wins. I, maybe this is the best way for me to say it to you, cause you, to answer your question, I see them winning it six out of ten times.
0: Okay, and, and I, that's how I see it as an as the analyst hat. Sure, as a fan, I'm like Browns win the Super Bowl, yeah. Okay,
1: because right? in my mind, they could they win it four out of ten times if we did a single. Right, um, and, and I just based on thinking it that way, as I was thinking it through through today, I I decided that I better I'm going to come down on picking the 49ers to win it. Um, because I think if you play the game ten times, they would win it six of the ten.
0: I mean, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a counterpoint to what you're talking about with Kyle Shanahan's big game experience. Kyle, twenty-eight to three and twenty to ten. Shanahan. Yep.
1: Yeah. But I also think, and I've talked, to you, we've talked about my opinion on guys like Shanahan. And, you know, my proclivity for smart guys. I think smart guys learn. Okay. And I think Shanahan's a guy that learns. So if you believe that he is, you know, the guy that's going to choke a third Super
0: Bowl, I guess it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a smart guy.
1: And I think he finds a way, uh, like I said, if you play the game 10 times, uh, he, he finds a way to win six of the 10. Um, so, and, and look, you know, like I said, I think they're two very evenly matched teams. And that's what makes it so hard to to pick.
0: Yeah. And, uh, again, it was pretty hard for me on the pick uh, with with, uh, the Browns and Tampa Bay as well. But uh, I I think, again, when you're looking at the uh, the playmakers that the Browns have on both sides of the ball and uh, what we expect to see here. And, again, the aforementioned Joe Woods, uh, he is going to be, I think, probably, I don't want to say hot seat because that is both unfair and pessimistic to say, but under scrutiny more than just about anybody in the league this year. He had every valid excuse for the Browns' defense falling apart at the times that it did last year because the good part of the back seven was hot garbage versus right now, no excuses, baby. This is a, a, de- a defense that should produce at a very, very high level. I think they're going to, but Joe Woods, more than just about anybody in the league, is, uh, let's just, under the microscope would be the better way of saying it. He has no excuses. The expectations are high. I think they'll meet the expectations, and I'd rather be in that spot if I was him than where I was a year ago, not having a full deck to play with here, but uh definitely.
1: I thought Woods did a great job last
0: year. I, I thought the yes. end of the season, yes. Browns fans calling for his head, I thought just showed what a bunch of idiots they were. Idiots, Those yes. that were, yes. uh, you know. he he was dealt a a tough
1: hand and the fact that that team actually ended up with like what were they like the 25th best defense overall some measurements had them as high as
0: 21 right um the fact that they weren't dead last was a freaking miracle right based on what he had to deal with so i thought he did a
1: great job yeah and i think because of that you know some people have suggested. Tony Gross, you were looking at you, you idiot. Um, uh You know, th- that he's on the hot seat. You know, he's not on the hot seat because anybody that knows football knows what a great job he did last year holding that defense together. Yes. So, to your point, you know, with great ex, you know, with great, you know, talent and, you know, comes great expectations. And I think they will meet that. I think this defense will be greatly improved i think they'll get better as the year goes on i am worried about the defensive tackle depth um and and what they're putting in there mm-hmm. uh, and, and i am still worried about the cornerback position because uh you know ward gets hurt greedy's not proven himself newsom's a rookie and we may not be happy with that but as the year goes on they're going to be fine and and, and probably will round out certainly being a, a top-12
0: defense, which is enough to get you to the Super Bowl. Well, here's the thing, too, Chris, is what I wanted to see last year that the Browns did not do at the trading deadline, I wanted to see them make another move or two to try to get pieces for the back seven. They didn't do it. i tell you this, Chris, I promise you that this year. If, if there is any kind of hole caused by injuries at defensive tackle or cornerback, they will... Use future draft capital to try to shore it up with a trade this year. There is no doubt whatsoever. When your window is now, you do it. And what they didn't do a year ago, they'll do this year if they have to. I agree with you on that, and I would
1: throw in. I, and I and I, I teased it in our AFC North um, breakdown, but you know, keep in mind, you know, whatever's going on with McKinley and you know Clowney, if, if you know. Has not been able to stay healthy, so let's let's say he does or doesn't. You know they're they're going to have Olivier Vernon's number on on speed dial um, for the last seven eight games of the season if if he's coming along in his rehab. Yes, um, that that's the first call they're going to be looking to bring in to say, listen, we need help. Are you healthy? Are you ready to go? Um, I'm curious why there hasn't been a member of the local Cleveland press that hasn't yet gone sleuthing around on that to say, well, how is he? Where is he on his rehab? Because he's right. gone under the radar. Um, and and I'd love to know because if he's coming along, um, he's a guy that I think they will definitely dial up uh, you know, for a bargain, you know, eight game, you know, cut him the million dollars or whatever and bring him in. Um, but I think you're right if there's an opportunity and I will I will temper what you say
0: with this. Mm-hmm it's about it's about cost and opportunity and 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 what's available, right? right. So they're not go- Andrew Barry isn't going to uh, uh, Hugh
1: Jackson this thing and say I'll give you a second and a third um, for McCarran. right? Um, you know to get some backup defensive tackle who's average at best, right? Um, he's not going to do that, right? So um, if those are the types of deals that are out there, somebody's trying to squeeze them. They won't execute that deal. Um, so it's going to have to, they'll be looking, but it's still going to have to be at the price that they're willing to pay. And and I'm telling you right now, when you talk mid-season trades and the Browns, they're not going to be willing to pay that much. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean there aren't going to be opportunities, but, you know, I think you're right. And I think this front office is really good about keeping their eyes open and studying players all season long, um, and, and looking you know that's how they ended up with
0: Ronnie Harrison right yes I mean they had their eyeballs open looking
1: and they identified people correctly that if they could make a deal they could get them uh, they wanted them and so they that was a guy that they said we like this guy and you know and they got him for a fifth rounder yeah um you know so it's those are the types of deals they'll be looking to make
0: and that's more what I have in mind is, or, or potentially even a fourth or, or so, or, or maybe in, in the most exotic scenario, if you're talking about really a good player, potentially a third. But I, I'm not expecting a first or a second round pick for, for a megastar player. I'm not talking about that kind of a deal, but I'm talking about if they got a hole to fill, and look, well, I mean, if cornerback against all odds of what we're looking at right now, if cornerback looks like something could hold him back from making a Super Bowl run, uh, I think they'd be inclined to try and make something happen with somebody. So that's basically just what I'm saying. Uh, well, I'm, we get to I'm week out. ten, and the Pats aren't looking so great.
1: You, I mean, you don't think Bill Belichick will take that fifth rounder for Stefan Gilmore?
0: Yeah, I mean, very possible. I
1: mean, I mean, I think that's the kind of deal, to your point, that the Browns would look to do to say, okay, you know, we'll we'll sa- we'll we'll be willing to give out some late round picks for one or two guys if we if we've got injuries or whatever. Uh, they're going to look for for guys that are a fit, you know, somebody like a Gilmore.
0: I think Week Ten's probably after the deadline, though, so it would have to be something. Well, like, whatever the deadline, you yeah, know, wherever that it's is. usually October, my, my late October. So if a team is out of it uh, before then, as there will there and there will be a number of teams out of it, of course, by late October, as there always are. So there will be opportunities there. But well, yeah. even
1: a team like the Pats may not be out of it. Belichick would still be willing to the deal them. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he may look at his team and say, well, we're not out of it, but we're also not going to truly compete for a championship. We're right. going to compete to get in the playoffs. Right. So is it worth it to me to just ship this guy off anyway, who's not going to be here next year and pick a, you know, a fifth or a sixth round? Um, I think
0: Belichick, he, he would absolutely do that. He, he'd ship him off. That would, that would be the greatest thing in the world, because I'm so sick of seeing a string of Browns regimes over the year flip uh, first and second round picks to the to the Patriots for like sixth round picks within a year or two of drafting the guy. So sure would be nice to have the shoe be on the other foot for a change, and uh, pick up a premium player for them for for basically a handful of feces. So that would be awesome. I'd love to see it. Uh, just you know, it in, in in the. It would make my black heart sing with glee if something like that could happen. But I expect my black heart to be singing with glee at the end of the year anyways uh, with my pick of the Browns winning the Super Bowl. Your pick of the Browns making it to the Super Bowl, Chris, also uh, would bring uh, a certain amount of joy anyways to the North Coast next winter just uh, in in making it that far. tis true. So we shall see how it plays out. But uh, this uh, brings us... To a wrap on what was uh, much like how the NFL is going to an 18-week schedule this year, we mirror that going from eight-segment preview to a nine-segment preview here. So, uh, Chris Galloway, always a joy to go through all these things, breaking down the NFL with you, my man. Thank you so much.
1: Fun stuff. I look forward to uh, talking throughout
0: the season. We'll do that, buddy. We'll be uh, checking in on it during the season here and uh, seeing how it all is shaking out uh, where we've been right, where we've been wrong. And of course, I expect us to be far more right than wrong, as is always the case here on the show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this mini-episode of the FDH Lounge.